Hello everyone, I'm Miss Jenny B and this is No Country for Melanin. Welcome back to the pod and if you're new, welcome. Today I have a special guest in the building, my sister T. Say hi girl. Hey everybody. So today's case kind of blew my mind and I just found out it's not even the only case of its kind. So I'm excited to share this one today. So my sources for today are greensboro.com, newsbreak.com, and Unsolved Mysteries, which provided the quotes and visuals for today's case. The rest of my sources will be linked in the show notes as always, and all of the evidence for this case will be posted on their Instagram at no country for melanin with a number four for the four. Now, this case is technically closed and solved as far as the justice system is concerned. But to be honest, I'm not even sure what to believe after researching because only a few sources covered it, one being a TV show that relies heavily on interviews and the other being a tabloid talk show, commonly known as trash TV. So it's really not much to go off, but we're going to discuss it and you can tell me what you all think. Our case begins in the summer of 1993. The year of the rooster. Shout out to all the millennials turning 30 this year. On this particular day, Janet Jackson's That's the Way Love Goes was the number one song in the country. What's Love Got to Do With It starring Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne had just premiered in L.A. ahead of its release. And Bill Clinton was president. On this particular night in 1993, a group of five friends decided to enjoy a night out at a motel in Greensboro, North Carolina. Around midnight on the night of June 9th, one of the friends left the room to retrieve ice. Upon her return, she knocked on the door to be let back in, but just as her friends opened the door, two men armed with guns rushed in behind her. The men forced the group of friends to the ground and robbed them all of their cash and jewelry. The violent incident was over in a matter of minutes, but before the friends knew it, the men had fled the scene with their belongings. Police arrived a little later, took reports, and by the next day, arrested two men in connection to the case. So the night after the robbery, on June 10, 1993, a man named Frederick Young was pulled over for a routine traffic stop. The officer noticed the light on his license plate was blown, so they pulled him over and asked for his license and registration. Or like his tail light? Well, actually in North Carolina, apparently in most of the states, you have to have an actual light that illuminates the license plate or you can get a ticket. Unfortunately for Fred, he didn't have his license, telling the police he left it at home. But as it turns out, Fred didn't even have a license at all. And to make matters worse, This wasn't Fred's first run-in with the cops, so he had to think of something quick. Fred had a pretty extensive criminal history, with crimes and convictions ranging from assault, breaking and entering, false imprisonment, and more dating back to 1988. So when the police asked him his name, the first thing he thought to do was to try to protect himself, or at the very least soften the legal blow. Cedric Young, Frederick responds as he gave the officers the name of his twin brother. What 
do that to your brother. <laughs> Cedric and Frederick were born on December 29th, 1971. Like most twins, the young twins were super close and pretty much did everything together. As kids, they were thick as thieves, no pun intended, with a bond like no other. Cedric was the older twin by just four minutes, but they were identical and always dressed alike, which in turn made it even more difficult than it already was to tell them apart. Cousins, aunts and uncles, sisters and brothers, nobody knows said from Fred, their mother surely told Unsolved Mysteries. If you don't see them when they do something, then you don't know who did what. If I can't do it, I know you can't do it because I'm the one that had them, she continued. So Frederick gave police his brother's name, thinking since the two are identical, he didn't have a license and Cedric did, why not? What could go wrong? So the officers ran Cedric's name and that's when things took a turn. Police found that Cedric's license had been revoked. In North Carolina, it's a class three misdemeanor to drive with a suspended or revoked license, which generally carries a penalty of $200 fine and almost a month in jail. So immediately, police instructed Fred to step out of the car, put his hands behind his back to be detained. Frederick couldn't believe it. The officers then asked if they could search his vehicle, and of course, thinking he's cooperating with police, he agreed to the search. Fred said, quote, He starts searching the passenger side, and he reached in and grabbed a bag. The bag in question was filled with guns, one of which was later linked to the motel robbery from the night before. Fred attempted to plead his case, claiming he had never seen the gun before, but before he knew it, he was placed under arrest and taken to a local police station. Now at the station, Frederick decided it was time to set the record straight before things spiraled out of control. He told police his name was actually Frederick and that this entire arrest had been a mix-up because he had an alibi for the night of the robbery. I mean, you're still going to get arrested for the no license and gun in your car. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. He had other legal issues to worry about besides that. But the armed robbery was a big deal. So for his alibi, he said he, his mother, his sister and Cedric were all out bowling the night of the robbery. But unfortunately for him, it was already a wrap. He and his childhood friend, Chris Ross, were arrested and charged with six counts of armed robbery for the June 9th incident. Seven months later, in February of 1994, Frederick stood trial for the crime. During the trial, one of the victims detailed the incident and identified Frederick as one of the assailants. She pointed him out in court and confirmed her ID, saying she had recognized him and Chris from around the Winston area before the incident. Where has Cedric been in all this? I guess he's just been in the wind somewhere because Frederick has been in jail this whole time, this whole seven months leading up to the trial. According to Unsolved Mysteries, the victim, who we'll call Jessica, said the men burst into the room, but two of her friends were in the bathroom at the time. She said Chris opened the bathroom door and held those two friends at gunpoint, while the man who she believed to be Frederick came into the room where she was with two other friends and forced them to lay down. Although she did recognize the men's faces, she said she didn't learn their names until after the entire ordeal. She said, quote, I could never forget a face, and that's the man who robbed me. I have a feeling the person that did the robbery was Cedric, because he ain't nowhere to be seen. <laughs> 
A second victim also identified Frederick as one of the culprits. And it was then that he realized he may have been at the center of a case of mistaken identity. When she pointed directly at me, that's when I kind of figured in my head, you know, if she thinks it's me, it's definitely my brother, he said. Once again, this sudden realization made Frederick think on his feet as he told his lawyer, David Tamer, right then and there in the court to subpoena his childhood friend and alleged accomplice, Chris Ross. But unfortunately for Frederick and his future, his lawyer did not follow through with their inquest. In fact, according to Frederick, he didn't do anything. Tamer was hired by Frederick's family for legal counsel, but after his request went unanswered, it quickly became apparent to Frederick that his practice was not up to par. The trial ended with a guilty verdict and a hefty sentence of 68 years in prison for Frederick with a separate sentence for each count conviction. Because remember, he was sentenced. He was, yeah, he was charged with six counts of armed robbery. On the other hand, Chris, who had taken a plea deal, was sentenced to just 22 years, almost 50 years less than his friend. That's ridiculous. In April, two months after the trial and sentencing, Frederick's lawyer was slapped with a three-year suspension for being as bad a lawyer as Frederick suspected. Well, that makes sense. Was it from this client? Was it from Frederick or was it a different client? It was a different client. I'll explain. <laughs> David admitted that he had failed to herald several clients' cases with diligence and misrepresented the reason behind a court decision. In 2000, six years later, Tamer surrendered his license altogether over a slew of crimes, including misappropriating funds of clients, such as death row inmate Blanche Taylor Moore. He pleaded guilty to felony embezzlement and received a suspended sentence, which means he was sentenced to jail but given the opportunity to serve probation. And if he successfully completed probation, then that would serve as his sentence. So according to deathpenaltyinfo.org, Tamer also had mental health issues that affected his ability to serve his clients and was even hospitalized for depression weeks before he was set to argue an appeal for death row inmate Willie Fisher, who was executed on March 9th, 2001. So now knowing this, well, at this point in April of 1994, I just kind of explained the lawyer's history. So we're back in 1994. Knowing about Tamer's suspended license, Fred and his mother Shirley knew they needed to take action. Shirley said, quote, he never called Fred. He never wrote Fred a letter. As a matter of fact, he never even accepted a call coming in from Fred. In addition to the lawyer issue, Fred's friend and alleged accomplice, Chris, now had new information that could possibly help Fred iron out this wonky case. Is it information about Cedric? Because he still hasn't shown up. <laughs> Chris had admitted he put the shotgun that was linked to the robberies in Fred's car without his knowledge. And the reason he didn't come forward with the information in the first place was because no one asked. What? <laughs> Chris said, quote, it was my shotgun, and I put it up under the car seat. I didn't come forward with my information for the trial because nobody tried to contact me to give my side of the story about him being charged for something he did not do. But aren't you also being charged? Don't you just want to give that information? Well, he since he was already being charged, he took the plea deal. He knew well, he, he said, was guilty. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, wiping, I'm cleaning my hands of this. <laughs> 
As Chris continued, he claimed that it was, in fact, Cedric that robbed the motel with him on the night of June 9th, 1993. They picked up the wrong one. Fred wasn't with me. It was said that was with me, Chris said. Reason why they picked up Fred, because he got caught with my gun. So they say he was the one that used it. So it's been months at this point. Frederick has been in jail. You couldn't say this. It's been a year. It's at been this a year point. at this point, and you couldn't say this earlier. <laughs> so there it is. The identified assailant involved in the motel robbery said it was Cedric, not Fred. A case of mistaken identity. Boom. That should be it, right? Wrong. This was just the tip of the iceberg. First order of business for Frederick, hire a new attorney. Frederick hired a new lawyer who then managed to convince the Court of Appeals to consider new evidence in the case, arguing that his client did not receive adequate representation and he had evidence that Cedric, not Frederick, committed the crime. The lawyer said, quote, the way my client was sentenced, even if he was guilty of something, we think the sentence is out of whack. But it makes it even worse when he's not guilty to get that kind of sentence. 60 plus years does seem ridiculous for a robbery. I mean, some people murder and don't get that. Yeah, he, nobody got hurt. In July 1995, one year after the verdict and sentencing, the court agreed to hear the new evidence. Fred's team put Chris on the stand, allowing him to repeat his admission that he put the gun in Fred's car and said was his accomplice. Shirley, the twins' mother, also testified to the events of the night, claiming that Fred went bowling with them that night and said robbed a motel. However, the evidence and claims of poor representation were not enough for a new trial, as state officials rejected each testimony and claim. The DA said Chris never said anything about Fred being wrongfully accused at the time of Fred's trial and argued that Shirley previously testified that Fred and said went bowling the night of the robbery. I was thinking about that. Like, because Fred also said that Cedric was there. Yep, they both did. So were they lying or did he just like leave and they didn't notice? Nobody knows. And Detective Sam Jones from the Greensboro Police Department said that Fred never said anything about being innocent or even anything about Cedric until the trial took a turn. Jones said, quote, this became a desperate effort on his part to throw the blame elsewhere. In regards to the lawyer, the judge said the trial was fair and his previous lawyer's ethical issues and misconduct had no bearing on his case. The judge also called Chris's testimony into question, suggesting he may have lied to help his friend and ultimately denied Frederick's request for a new trial. So that's it. The legal issue was settled and the case was closed, with Frederick expected to serve decades behind bars for armed robbery. Still, he maintained his innocence for years to come. I'm willing to take polygraph tests, anything, Fred said, whatever it has to take to prove that I'm innocent. You know, I'm willing to go along with it. So now after exhausting all his legal options, Frederick took his story to tabloid talk show, the Geraldo Rivera show, to set the record straight and clear his name once and for all. But this time, face to face with his twin, Cedric. Finally, right? I know. <laughs> You've been gone years at this point. So, during the episode, Cedric was asked, Are you the guilty party? To which he responded, No, I'm not. To be in his shoes, I would be saying the same thing, he said. The exact same thing. First of all, 
That's a horrible question to start. <laughs> Who, yeah, yes, I am. The guilty party. That's a and horrible second, thing to say. Like, Yeah, that's a horrible thing to say about your twin brother. Yeah, either way, like guilty or not guilty, I would be saying it's my sister or my brother. Like, also, really. like, you're the older. Even if it's by four minutes, you're yeah. supposed to protect your little your sibling. <laughs> you know? Like, jeez. This whole dynamic Just is weird. Right but still, it's crazy for Frederick, too, because even if he did it, First thing he thought was to say said. So also true, <laughs> but he didn't think it was a robbery. He just thought, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. The, the the license he was situation. Just, the license situation. Yeah. Let me just get this over with. Like it's gonna be a ticket. Like <laughs> so, you think it's? Let's just finish the story and we'll talk about it after. Frederick responded through tears, asking why his brother would lie on him like that. He said, "Quote: Why are you gonna lie, man? I'm your brother, man. Damn, you gonna do me like that, man?" making me suffer for something you done? Cedric responded back saying, if I was a rich man, if I had money, I would spend all my money to get my brother out of jail. I'd spend all my money to get a high paying lawyer to get my brother out of jail because I miss him, he said through tears. Bro, did you even visit during the year I was in jail? That's an interesting question. I would I would love to know if like how their relationship was when he- Spend all your money, it don't matter, I'm, I'm innocent still. So. Yeah. Ultimately, Fred served his time and was released on parole on March 19th, 2016, which is so crazy. He ended up doing 22 years for a crime he and his mother say he didn't commit. That's close to, what was Rick's, 26? He, he, he did about 22 as well. 22. Well, he was sentenced to 22. But if you remember, he had a slew of other charges under his belt, including assaults with a deadly weapon from 1989, Assault on a female in 1990, which is a serious misdemeanor offense in North Carolina. So it's like hard to say, like brothers have some issues. <laughs> Let's just say that. Chris Ross was convicted on March 21st, 1994 in the incident and released on April 23rd, 2002 on parole. So he only got six years? After all that? <laughs> You can throw your friend in, in prison. You, you well, I guess years? I guess he tried to he tried to do his part. No, he he just came out with it because nobody asked. However, in 2005, he was arrested and sentenced again for breaking and entering and possession of a firearm by a felon. Bro, he was released on October 15, 2006, for that incident. All this chaos that happened in the 90s, you gonna do it again? <laughs> Cedric, on the other hand, is a career criminal. I mean, like legit, was charged in 2014 as a habitual felon after a series of larceny, breaking and entering, and weapons charges. For those crimes, he did 12 years and was released in August of last year. He is currently on parole. So he ended up doing... This, the same time, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. So, was this a case of mistaken identity? Why did Fred and his mom initially say Cedric was with them bowling that night? Why didn't Cedric ever come forward for his brother? If they were that close, or if they were that close, why did Fred try to pin it on his brother in the first place? So many questions and only one answer, according to the police. But what do you believe? Who do you believe? Let me know. I mean, both these brothers got issues. The mom <laughs> even got some issues because she said she Who can't what? tell her sons apart yeah so we don't know what happened bowling night <laughs> yes yeah, she probably doesn't even know who was there she probably could have saw one and thought it was both of them I, yeah. nobody knows imagine that that's crazy <laughs> and that's our story for today guys 
This story was so crazy. Make sure you check out all of the pictures and videos linked to this case. The Geraldo show footage is so sick, especially if one of them is lying because they were both crying and pleading their case. But the fact that Cedric said that he would have did and said the exact same thing and had me shocked. spent all the money if I was rich, bro. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. That here. had me shocked. Get out of here. But anywho, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks for coming, T. I hope you catch us next week, same time and place for the brand new episode. But until then, stay safe and keep your head on a swivel. Bye. Thank you.